Our Christian Testament lesson talks about the journey of faith we all must wait, make. Nicodemus thought he had everything figured out in his faith until he met Jesus, and then all his previous notions became unglued as Jesus invites him and us into a deeper understanding of this journey of faith. In reading from the message, to hear it perhaps in a new light, hear John 3, 1 through 17. There was a man of the Pharisee sect, Nicodemus, a prominent leader among the Jews. Late one night, he visited Jesus and said, Rabbi, we all know you're a teacher straight from God. No one could do all the God-pointing, God-revealing acts you do if God weren't in on it. Jesus said, you're absolutely right. Take it from me. Unless a person is born from above, it's not possible to see what I'm pointing to, to God's kingdom. How can anyone, said Nicodemus, be born who has already been born and grow up? You can't re-enter your mother's womb and be born again. What are you saying with all this born from above talk? Jesus said, you're not listening. Let me say it again. Unless a person submits to this original creation, the wind hovering over the water creation, the invisible moving the visible, a baptism into a new life, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. When you look at a baby, it's just that, a body you can look at and touch. But the person who takes shape within is formed by something you can't see and touch, the spirit and becomes a living spirit. So don't be surprised when I tell you that you have to be born from above, out of this world, so to speak. You know well enough how the wind blows this way and that. You hear it rustling through the trees, but you have no idea where it comes from or where it's headed next. That's the way it is with everyone born from above, by the wind of God, the Spirit of God. Nicodemus asked, what do you mean by this? How does this happen? Jesus said, you're a respected teacher of Israel, and you don't know these basics. Listen carefully. I'm speaking sober truth to you. I speak only of what I know by experience. I give witness only to what I have seen with my own eyes. There is not, nothing secondhand here, no hearsay. Yet instead of facing the evidence and accepting it, you procrastinate with questions. If I tell you things that are as plain as the hand before your face and you don't believe me, what use is there in telling you of things you can't see, the things of God? No one has ever gone up into the presence of God except the one who came down from that presence, the Son of Man. In the same way that Moses lifted the serpent in the desert, so people could have something to see and then believe, it is necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up. And everyone who looks up to Him, trusting and expectant, will gain a real life, eternal life. This is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His one and only Son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed by believing in Him. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. God came to help, 
to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This Tuesday, I was in Jamaica, and we were going to have a day off, and we're going to head to Negril and the beach the next day. Now, I am not one to remember my dreams. My wife, Vicki, can wake up and remember every detail of the dream she had the night before. As for me, I can wake up, and it's like I have never dreamed. But this night, I had a dream that woke me up with a start. It was a nightmare. It was a dream where I dreamed something had happened to Vicki, and I couldn't get to her. I guess it was what some folks would call an anxiety dream. Whatever it was, I found myself wide awake at 3 a.m. in the morning trying hard not to wake up my roommates. So I lay in the darkness, first listening to my heartbeat. And it was beating real fast, and I thought, well, is this what an anxiety attack is like? And then I started talking to myself about saying, okay, let's just breathe real deeply here. And then I started wondering, Am I going to lie here from 3 a.m. in the morning to 7 in the morning wide awake? But finally, I went back to sleep. But the first thing I did when the light came was to go to one of the team leaders and get their cell phone and call home. And Vicky's voice was the best thing I heard that day. I just wanted to hear her voice and know everything was okay. What it, does it take for you to know everything is okay? What do you need to hear to help you escape from the darkness you find yourself in? Faith is described in the Genesis story this morning as a journey from what is familiar and safe to what is not familiar. And the gospel account says this is a journey from darkness in the light. Did you catch that imagery in John? I mean, John is always hard for me to read because John never gives us anything straight. It's always multi-layered. There's always loads of symbolism in there. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. In other words, the boy is in the dark. And who does Nicodemus come to? but who John calls the light of the world. Darkness coming to light. But though Nicodemus is in the presence of the light, he hadn't seen the light, which is what this strange conversation about being born again is all about. Now, what does that term born again or born from above or born anew mean to you? In our time, it has become a loaded term that's often used to beat people up. I will hear people talk about being a born-again Christian as if there are some Christians who are not. And yet, isn't that what the term Christian implies? We are people who are born again or born from above or born anew. 
To some Christians, born again means accepting a certain set of beliefs, a particular theology often expressed in a salvation formula, like do you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And if you don't think like I do, well then, you're not born again. In some charismatic churches, born again means having received the gifts of the Spirit, and in particular, the gift of tongues. How many of y'all have read the Left Behind series? Anybody read that series? In, in that series, they even make it more narrow that born again means believing in the rapture and the imminent second coming of Christ. Now, I like what Marcus Borg, an Episcopal theologian, said about this term. He said, when being born again leads to a rigid kind of righteousness, judgmentalism, and sharp boundaries between an in-group and an out-group, I don't think it's a genuine born-again experience, or if it is, it's got a lot of static in it. Born-again, to me, means more than a one-time experience. It means a lifetime journey that we are all on. I heard the story of this little three-year-old girl who had just had her new baby brother brought home from the hospital. And the parents had put the baby in the crib, and they had they weren't there, but they had the little walkie-talkies so you can listen to the sound of the baby. And they heard the three-year-old creep in the room and get right next to the bed and whisper to her brother, Tell me about God. I've almost forgotten. I love that story. For it says that we all come from God. And that when we're very young, we know this. But in the process of growing up, we forget. Self-consciousness or self-awareness always involves a separation from God. And the result is self-concern. And wasn't that the meaning of the Adam and Eve story that we heard last week? We cannot avoid this. This is our condition. Life then becomes a journey of learning, or maybe I should say relearning, what we have forgotten. Somewhere along the way in our lives, something disrupts how we see, disturbs the familiar. And isn't that what happened to Nicodemus? He thought he knew how things were supposed to be, how things were supposed to work. For him, if you follow the Jewish law, then God would bless you and God would work through you. If you don't follow the Jewish law, well, you're not blessed, and certainly God isn't going to work through you. What is the equivalent of the Jewish law for you that helps you feel comfortable in how you live and see life? For some, it's the Bible. For some, it's doctrine or certain ideology. For some, it's tradition, and others, it's nationalism. I'm hearing more and more now an expression I used to hear in the 60s, my country right or wrong. But what do you do when something disrupts how you see your world? This is what happens to Nicodemus. Along comes Jesus who breaks the Jewish law by healing on the Sabbath. But obviously God is working through Jesus. That doesn't compute. And Nicodemus is very comfortable in how he sees things. And suddenly Jesus is asking him to see another way. Does God ever do that to you? Does God ever give you these holy disruptions where like God asked Abraham, you are to leave what is familiar, to venture into new territory? Who wants to do that? 
But that's where the promise of God calls, isn't it? Speaking of holy disruptions, I had some on the mission trip. Now, one thing that really hit me that I hadn't noticed before, the more possessions we have, it seems like the less community we have. We stayed in the mayor's mother's house. She had died and left it to him. It was a nice house compared to the others that surrounded us. One night he visited us, and the first thing I noticed about the mayor was that he was packing. He had a pistol on his hip, which caught my attention real quick, didn't you, Kevin? You know, I mean, it was sort of like maybe we need to go clean up this house a little bit before we let him in. And I wondered, what in the world was that all about? Now, he had a porch where you had a metal gate, and every night before we went to bed, Amanda would come and lock that gate so no one could come in and steal our tools. Now, when our group went to Bulls Bay for a swim, they met some Germans who lived in Jamaica. And they lived in big houses up on a hill in a gated community that separated them from the Jamaicans. And uh, one of the, I think Kevin asked one of them why that they like Jamaica. And he said, well, we don't have to pay the taxes in Jamaica that we have to pay in Germany. So this is why we came here. But with their wealth, they also lived apart from the Jamaicans. The more possessions you had, the less you needed community where your security came from your possessions. But the less possessions you had, the more community you seemed to have, for it was the community that you depended on for support. And that's what we were living in. I mean, all the Jamaicans around there had a real sense of community, and for the first time in my life, I saw what that expression, it takes a village to raise a child, really means. And what I also noted was that the Jamaican women were tough women. We had two workers, Dippy and Garfield. Now, when Dippy and Garfield were mixing cement, they worked like Trojans. But if they weren't mixing cement, Dippy and Garfield may be found, found behind the church. And there was this one Jamaican woman who went back there, and she said something in their language. I mean, you know, and it was like, Dippy and Garfield had God hit them. And man, they came running around and jumped right there and work. You know, that woman said one thing, they were there. That was the power of community. And it got me to thinking, do my possessions prevent me from having community in my life? I'm still thinking about that one. Jesus seems to be saying that to be born again is to die to one way of seeing and seeing a totally new way. It's the following of that holy disruption and responding to the wind blowing in your life that leads to a new life. It's becoming conscious of God in a new way. I got good news and bad news for you today. The good news is we are all in a relationship with God, and we have been from birth. Now, how did St. Paul put this in Acts? We live and move and have our being in God. We can never get away from God. The bad news is, most of the time, we are not aware of it. Tell me about God. I've almost forgotten. 
Holy disruptions, though, ask us to pay attention to God in our lives. And when we do, the result is transformation. It's not a one-time event either, but a lifetime event. Nicodemus asks, how is this done? He doesn't get it. Maybe we don't either. So Jesus tells a Midrash story. Do you remember Midrash and what Jack Spong taught us about it? It's telling a story from the past to explain something in the present. And Jesus tells the story of the serpents in the wilderness. How many of y'all remember that story? Know that story? Hold them up high. How many don't have a clue what that story is about? Hold them up high. Oh, well, I'm going to tell it to you. Here it is in a nutshell. The children of Israel, when they escaped from Egypt, wandered in the wilderness. Despite all that God had done for them, they trusted in other things rather than God. In fact, when they got really anxious, they created their own God. In other words, they sound very much like us. Peter Gomes, the minister at Harvard, once said, Idolatry is trusting in anything that can't deliver. And the people find themselves in a bunch of snakes. And the community was beginning to look like our wonderful Wednesday crowd last week. Man, it was low because about half the folks had the stomach virus. How many of y'all had the stomach virus? How many hadn't had it? How many going to wash their hands when they get home from church? Well, that's what the children of Israel were looking like. Only people were dying. So Moses puts a snake on a stick, and everyone who looks at it will live. I believe that is still the symbol for medicine today, is it not, Tom McMillan? Jesus said, being transformed by God, being born again or born from above or born anew happens this way. It's feeding that disruption in your life and trusting in the disruption that God has got you. Again, let me read you from the book Father Joe that I shared last week and what happened to Tony Hendra. Tony Hendra is a comedy writer, a satirist who worked at National Lampoon, who helped spark the Saturday Night Live humor. He had a lifetime relationship with a, with a Benedictine monk who was always there for him in the disruptions in his life. In one where he was confronting a second failed marriage, and the awareness that he could not love, Father Joe said, Tony, dear, you will only be able to love when you understand how much you are loved. Tony, dear, you are loved with a limitless, fathomless, all-embracing love. Here's what he said happened after that encounter. Like a tidal wave overwhelming the breakwater of common sense came the thought, that this slowly shrinking, mud-flapped-eared elf of an old man was God or a body that God would time to time inhabit. But I didn't believe in God. He whispered the words of absolution to me. I sat there a long time feeling peace flow into me. Something in me came alive, like the glow of a pilot light, a match lit in the distance at dark. I went outside, looked up at the night sky, that the wind was sweeping clean. I listened the way he had once said, just listen, dear. In the roaring silence, there was a voice. My voice, it seemed, but then it always does seem to be your own voice. 
I had no idea what this force or principle that suddenly seemed so real and present was, whether it was a presence in the sense of a person or in the sense of truth present in the universe. I just knew a presence in a way I had known earlier in this life but had forgotten. I believe Jesus would call that being born again. What would you call it? And how does that awareness come into your own life? Jenny Eichen will be 26 years old this June. Yet I remember her birth like it was yesterday. The child had trouble coming out into this world, even though she came three weeks early. She probably was very comfortable where she was. She certainly let the doctor know her displeasure about this birth process and this strange new world she was thrust into. But the first voice she heard was the voice she had been listening to for nine months when Vicky was saying, Hello, Jenny. All of us are like Jenny on that same journey. We are not through yet, whether we be as young as Katie Vandeway at year one or as young as Powell Majors at an age 98. And we keep having our lives disrupted as comfortable as we try to make them. We keep having to leave familiar places to go to unfamiliar ones. It's the journey we all have to make in life. And at times it can be rough. Talk to Pat and Inez Pfeiffer this morning. Sometimes life can be like a nightmare that wakes you up in a cold sweat. But Jesus says, listen to the voice that comes like the wind. It says something like, for God loves you and the whole world so much that God gave what was most precious to God so that we might have life. Amen.